Every month, we offer exciting new webinars for our community. Topics include how to use retirement accounts to buy real estate overseas, how to get a second passport in Latin America, why you should sell your stock portfolio and move your money offshore, how to buy beachfront rental properties in Brazil for less than $100,000, or apartments in Paraguay for less than $60,000. If you want to join us for free for these presentations with live Q&A, insider secrets, and exclusive opportunities with my professional network of experts, then go to expatmoney.com forward slash webinars. That's expatmoney.com forward slash webinars to register for free upcoming presentations. expatmoney.com forward slash webinars. We all dream of seeing the world, but the realities of living somewhere outside your place of birth can be daunting to say the least. Welcome to the Expat Money Show, helping you make the most out of your overseas career through conversations with successful expats on investing, entrepreneurship, self-improvement, and continual education, all while sharpening your financial acumen. Now, please welcome your host with over 20 years of overseas experience, Mikkel Thorup. Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Mikkel Thorpe, and this is the Expat Money Show. Today, what I want to do is continue my little breakdown story trip that I was sharing with you guys a couple of weeks ago when I was talking about my trip to Turkey. Well, after Turkey, we went on to Georgia, so that's what I want to talk to you about. We actually went for five weeks with my family through however you want to call it, Eastern Europe or Western Asia or the Caucasus or a combination of the three. We were kind of all over the place. But it was an amazing trip. It was me, my wife, our two kids, my mother, and our nanny. So it was a good-sized group of us, and we got to visit four different countries, and Georgia is the one I'm going to talk to you about today. Now, as I am recording this, we just finished the summit a day and a half ago, I guess, depending how you want to count. The summit turned out phenomenal. I'm very happy with everything, the response we got was just terrific. We had so many people, thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people in attendance. We had 40 presentations during the week, basically eight hours a day, every day for five days straight. The summit was completely online. We had so many amazing speakers and presentations. I was just blown away by the caliber of what everyone delivered last week was just, I couldn't ask for anything more. I was so, so thrilled with it. It was a ton of work. Like I cannot explain to you how much work goes into getting ready for a summit like this. It is just, it's probably one of the biggest things I've ever done in my life. This is my third time running an online summit, once with another organization that I used to run, a partnership I had with a couple of other people, and then this is my second one under my own brand, the, the expat money, which I own 100% of. No partners on this one. This is completely mine. So I've had a lot of experience, but the Summit just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. We're just doing more complicated things, but it was absolutely terrific. So I really wanted to start this off by just saying thank you to everybody who attended. I hope that you guys got an amazing amount of value from it. I hope that you learned a lot and it really opened your eyes to a ton of new possibilities and things that you can do. We really tried this year 
to not just educate, but to inspire as well. I believe it is my mission in life to help people with these things. It's what I do morning, afternoon, and night is think about the business, think about my clients, think about how I can help people because there is a lot of crummy things that are happening in the world. And I want to be the lighthouse. I want to be the shining light out there of truth and honesty and doing this in an ethical manner. I use my real face and my real name. You might see competitors of mine out there who don't do this, who do all kinds of weird and dodgy things. I really try to be the lighthouse with all of that. And I'm trying to, yes, run a successful business and make money, but I'm really trying to help people as well. And that's why we did the summit for free this year. And the response was fantastic. So thank you everybody who joined. I am really, really glad that you got to experience this with us. Okay, so let's get into the episode today. I want to share with you guys a little bit from where we left off. You know, in the last episode where we were talking about Turkey, I was explaining that portion of the trip. So as soon as we left Turkey, we flew to Georgia. And this was actually the point of the entire trip or the the main point. I mean, there was probably 40 things that came underneath that were important. But the main one was to go to Georgia for my friend's birthday party and he was running a conference and I got invited to be a speaker at the conference. So I'll get to the conference in a little bit, but just a little bit of insights first. So we got into Georgia and we had a driver pick us up. His name was David and his English was quite good. Actually, in general, we found in Georgia that there was a lot of people who spoke English, which was nice. I mean, it's, I'm not saying that they should speak English. I'm just saying if they do speak English, that my life becomes a whole heck of a lot easier. But it was really funny because we had six people and seven checked luggages and like three or four or five carry-on luggages and the stroller and everything that we had to get like a huge van everywhere we went basically because we had all the kids stuff and everything. But we finally loaded up the vehicle and got in and went to leave the airport. And I see that there's like a baseball bat, like Louisville Slugger or something right in the driver's side door stuck in there. And I'm like, what is that for? Like you play baseball? And he's like, no, to protect my tourists. (laughs) Like, oh, all right. Is Georgia not a safe country? And he just kind of smiled at me. So that was kind of like our intro to Georgia. Now, After asking many people about Georgia, they did regard Georgia as a very safe country. So I was a little bit surprised, I think, at first that you would need to be carrying around a baseball bat everywhere with you because, you know, you think that people are going to be targeting tourists. And he wasn't saying it. I mean, he was kind of saying it in jest. He smiled at me, but there was a legit baseball bat there. So I... You know, it kind of made me a bit weary as soon as we got going. We didn't see any problems, hear about any problems, or I think that there are any problems, but safety is always one of the first things that I'm looking at in a country. Now, the Georgian people, we had a decent amount of interactions with different people at the restaurants, on the street, the taxis, tourist things. We found them probably the least friendly of the four countries we went to. Out of Turkey, Georgia, Armenia, and Azerbaijan, I'd say the Georgian people, or at least our experiences, were they were the least friendly of the four. We did have some 
really terrific experiences, but in general, we found the people to be very short with us and just really didn't want to give the time of day and just a whole bunch of pretty crummy experiences. But there was one really nice one. My wife and I decided on our first day that we wanted to take the public transport. We needed to go somewhere. So we picked up a card, charged it up with some money, and they had these really cute little minivans that they used as public buses. And we got on and it went one direction and we had to go for this meeting. And on coming back, we thought we'd just cross the road and come back, not realizing at first that it was a one-way street. So as soon as we, I mean, as soon as we got over to the other side of the street, we realized there was going to be no buses coming there. So we walked around and we tried to find where it would go so that we could take the public transport back. But I mean, it was totally not walkable. So we ended up getting on the public transport there and followed it all the way to the end of the line until it turned around and came back, which was like an only an extra 10 minutes or 15 minutes or something like that. But since we'd been going all over the city and it was our very first day, like our very first two hours or something in the city in Tbilisi, we really didn't know where to get off, you know, what what was the most convenient stop. So there was some woman there and we clearly did not look like Georgians. So she struck up a conversation with us in English and her English was quite good once again. And she was very, very helpful. And she told the driver who was not so pleasant, you know, one of those experiences, she like scolded him and was like, take care of these people and make sure they get off at the right stop and be nice to them. And she's like, you know, this older woman waving her finger at the driver and stuff like that. And she'd smile at us and, and she was phenomenal. And that really left a a good feeling that there was people there that wanted to take care of you. So that was really, really amazing. Now the food in Georgia was excellent, really unbelievably top-notch food. The produce and the meat and the dishes and the creativity, you know, was not just a rehashing of Turkish food, which we did see a lot in other places. Georgians seem to have like their own cuisine and I and I don't know anything that is the same. After visiting 110 countries in my life, I would say Georgian food. It's not just something else with a different name on it. But we love the food there. I would say out of the four countries we went to, Georgian food was probably the best. Now, there is a lot of the food that I was not able to eat because I'm a celiac, because I don't eat wheat, but my wife loved it. And because my wife is from China, they eat steam buns and dumplings and they had like Georgian style steam buns or Georgian style steamed dumplings and things like that. So that was really amazing. And my kids went crazy for the food. Well, my daughter did at least. She was just gobbling it up like crazy. The wine was not as good as I expected in Georgia. I've always heard all of these stories that you could go for dinner, you know, you and your spouse get a bottle of wine and some food and it would be like $10 or $15 or something like that. We tried to buy average bottles of wine and I mean, 10, $12 bottles of wine and they were basically undrinkable. I mean, we just could not stomach these at all. We did have some really nice wine that my friend had picked out who knew the wine there a little bit better, but I'm sure he was not in that $10 range. 
I believe he was spending a lot more than that. But you know, this cheap, cheap wine, and you can have wine with every meal, and it's just a phenomenal quality and cost nothing. We didn't experience that at all, which was a shame. I have been told that the prices have gone up drastically in Georgia over the last few years. I think a big part of it is because of all of the Russians and Ukrainians coming in and just a giant influx of people and only so many goods to go around. So the prices have gone up. I mean, supply and demand type of thing. There were good opportunities where we did find reasonably priced things. I remember going out for ice cream one night. I took my kids out and we found this little ice cream shop on the side of the road. We went in and it was gorgeous, like really, really nice looking, like the the atmosphere, like a beautiful cafe. And all of the ice creams were handmade and they had the strawberry ice cream had garnishes of fresh strawberries and the blackberry ice cream was made with local blackberries and pistachio ice cream and all this. And so we all got some and I think it was a dollar a scoop or something and huge scoops, like you wouldn't need two or three of this. It was too much. And so the whole thing with the nannies, with my moms, with everyone, I think was like nine bucks or eight bucks or something like that in total, even with a tip. I mean, there's no way we would get ice cream for that cheap in Panama or in lots of other countries that I've been to or I lived in. I mean, you're looking at three times, four times, five times price. But there were other things where we expected them to be very cheap, like the wine or like some of the dinners. And it was not cheap at all. So I guess it's kind of a pick and choose type of thing. Now, where we stayed was we got actually a three-bedroom Airbnb, and on the pictures, it looked very nice. In in real life, it was okay. It was fine for us. We didn't want to do a hotel because we needed three rooms because my mom and my daughter have one, my wife and I have another, and then my son with the nanny in the third room. But it's this old Soviet-style apartment complex, which was pretty interesting to see. And you actually had to tap your metro card or your bus pass to be able to use the elevator. And if you don't have that, then there is a coins thing that to use the elevator to go up and down. Now we had that elevator card I told you about with that little mini bus. So we were able to use that, but I think the elevator was like two cents or something. But if you didn't have that and you had to schlep up 11 flights of stairs every day or something, oh, that would just be brutal. But it was this, yeah, really old style Soviet building. It was very interesting to stay in. But the location was good. It was clean and it was safe. And there was a little park outside. So we were pretty happy with it. And then we just taxied or Ubered or whatever it was, grab to the conference each day. Now, when we were there in Georgia, the weather was perfect, was just absolutely gorgeous. Now, if you had a short sleeve shirt during the day and some trousers, you'd be fine. And then at night, definitely a jumper, but it wasn't too cold at night and it wasn't too hot during the day. The weather was really excellent, certainly better than some of the places that we were on on this trip. Well, I don't know if we just got lucky with the timing or what, but the weather was excellent while we were there. Now, when we were going for city tours and walking around the downtown and the old town and things like that, actually, we found Tbilisi to be so filthy, so dirty. I was actually shocked. There was graffiti everywhere. Every building had graffiti on it without exception. I don't think we saw one building that did not have graffiti on it somewhere. And there was graffiti up on the walls, stories up. There was just, and it's not even like the talented graffiti where these are amazing artists. I'm not even talking about like some Banksy or something like that. I mean, this was just 
swear words and like pictures of dicks and just all kinds of just rubbish everywhere. It was awful because you could really see that Tbilisi could be a beautiful place, but they've just destroyed it. They've just absolutely destroyed the place. Now there was garbage all over the place. The sidewalks were broken. We had the stroller for my son and it was just a nightmare with that. I was not impressed at all with Tbilisi in this regard. Once you went inside to the restaurants, there was tons of cool restaurants, cafes, bars, things like that. Private businesses on the inside were really creative Everything was amazing, but the streets themselves were filthy and just covered in graffiti. It was yuck. Now, another day we did go to this 500-year-old monastery. We took a bus out there. That was excellent. And getting to see the countryside was beautiful. Actually, I think the countryside of Georgia was my favorite part. And seeing some of the history and getting out there was really, really terrific. We did some guided tours, some walking tours of the area. Our guide was really, really nice, very knowledgeable, and just that was just excellent. One of the nights when we came in, it was funny, there was actually the band Imagine Dragons was playing, but we didn't realize, so we went out for dinner to meet this group that we were with. There's about 100 people, I would guess. And the traffic was absolutely standstill. It took us, I think, 90 minutes to do something that should have been a 15-minute drive. So we totally came in late. I don't know with everybody else if they were also in late or they came from, you know, the hotel area, which was a lot closer or what. But we were the last ones at dinner and just missed out so much because of the traffic. But I guess this is only because there was a concert playing and it just became bottlenecked at this one place. But definitely with the traffic in certain times of the day, like rush hour and things, it's pretty congested. During normal hours, it was like a ghost town in there. There was hardly anybody on the roads. Not hardly anybody, but certainly not what I'm used to when I see a lot of traffic. Super exciting news. We just released our first in a series of expat guidebooks. These are in-depth country guides on how to move to another country, and the first one released is Expat's Guide on Moving to Mexico. It took us over two years to compile all the research and write this book on Mexico, and coming in at 475 pages, you can really see how much work has gone into this. It's a complete guide on everything you need to know if you want to move to Mexico, including where to live, immigration, taxes, lifestyle, buying property, how to get a driver's license, and a million other things you would never think you need the answers to. You can find the book directly on Amazon by searching for Expat's Guide on Moving to Mexico or go to expatguidebooks.com, which will take you to our online shop where you will find the book. Go to expatguidebooks.com. That's expatguidebooks.com. Now, on this trip, it was my friend Christoph Hoyerman's birthday, and he always runs a conference every year in different places. And he's been inviting me for years. Now, I think it was last year or the year before, it was actually supposed to be in the Ukraine, but then the war broke out, so that ended up getting moved to Germany. So we were planning to go to the Ukraine, but obviously that couldn't work. And then Germany, I've been to 30 times or something, so we weren't so interested to go back there. But when he said this one was in Georgia, then I was like, okay, hell yeah, I'm going. That'll be amazing. Then I got to see my friend Thorsten Whitman. So Christoph and Thorsten both spoke this year at my summit, and then I also got a chance to visit 
visit my friend Sergio von Fakin, who spoke at last year's summit. Unfortunately, he was not able to speak this year, but hopefully next year's summit, he'll be coming back. Last year, he spoke about DeFi, so that was a really cool presentation. And then I got to see my friend Titus. He's the one that does the Free Cities Foundation and Tipolis. I sit on the advisory board for them, and I'm an ambassador for their foundation and do a lot of work with them. And I'm actually... As I'm recording this, I'm going to be flying out day after tomorrow to Prague, to Czech Republic, to speak at their conference at Liberty in Our Lifetime. I've got one speaking slot, and then I'm on a panel discussion as well. And I think I might be doing one other one, but I'm still waiting to see the entire agenda or for my staff to at least let me know what's going on. But so we've just finished our summit. Now I'm on like two days off, and then I'm flying to Prague for that. And then I will see Titus there, which will be cool to see my friends again. And then actually, funny enough, I will also be flying to Uruguay to run one of our quarterly trips with my private clients and hub members. And then after that, I'm going to fly to Paraguay to see my friend Thorsten, where he's running one of his trips in the German market. He he does only German-speaking market normally, but he's going to have me along to go and see that one. And then I guess I'll just have someone translate for me or something, because my German is not good at all, unfortunately. Now, at the conference itself, first of all, I want to say the conference that Christoph did was fantastic. They were really excellent, really well organized, lots of interesting speakers. The food was phenomenal. The hotel that they did it at was amazing, which was such a cool building. It was like an older building that they had rehabbed, and there was lots of open spaces, and there was like a library when you came in. I mean, it was just phenomenal. I really liked it. There was even a pool on the rooftop, but the bottom of the pool was made from glass, so you could see through it from underneath, which was a little bit spooky because you can imagine if there's all that water up above you and it starts to leak or it breaks or something, then yeah, no es bueno, pero, but it was a really, really cool place. Now, the conference itself, it was really interesting. The first speaker was actually the head of the central bank for Georgia. So we got a chance to, to meet him and speak with him and or listen to him speak, I should say. And he was actually talking, it was kind of a Q&A format. And one of the people got up and they actually asked him, what's Georgia's plans for CBDCs? And the guy proudly talks, proudly talks about how CBDCs are coming to Georgia and they've been working on them so hard and it should be rolled out soon. And I'm like, holy moly, he really has no idea that he's at a libertarian conference right now and he's talking about something that is just so disgusting. And it just really made me realize that a lot of these central bankers really are not in touch with the general public's outlook on these at all. And if Georgia is so bullish on CBDCs, like, that's brutal. I mean... It's just really going to kill the country, I think. I think the countries that stay away from these types of things and want to do something more gold back or go back to sound money, I think they're the ones that will really go far in the world. But it was such a shame because I've been hearing so many amazing things about Georgia for decades now. And then I got out there and like I said, the prices have gone up and the graffiti and now these types of, I don't know, it's just, I, I just was not impressed whatsoever. I was happy to meet him and, and listen to the central bankers 
talk and, and to get his insights, but that really stuck out in my mind for sure. Now, my presentation, I got to go on and I was doing a presentation about what I learned going through the St. Keith CBI program. And it was interesting because my friend Christoph, we went back and forth for a couple of weeks about, you know, what do you want me to talk about? Should I talk about this? Should I talk about asset protection? Should I talk about tax? Now, the majority of his people, he, he works mostly in the German market. So we wanted to find something that was going to be relevant for his audience and was not going to overlap with talks that had already been done or were going to be done that week. And we settled on this one because it looks like Germany will allow dual nationality in 2024. So I've been following along on this pretty closely over the last while, and it looks like the laws are being changed currently and they will go into effect in 2024. We're actually doing a research report or at least an article on this right now that are going to be at expatmoney.com because Germany is one of the only countries in Western Europe that does not allow dual nationality. And I think that it is something that a lot of people want. So I think that the citizenship by investment programs are very relevant. Anyways, the talk went really, really well. I got fantastic feedback. People really liked it a lot. I had people laughing because of some of the ridiculous things that happened when I went through my CBI and St. Keith's program to get my passport. There was a whole bunch of drama and things like like that. So I was telling some stories in it. For any of my hub members, the recording of that we actually put in the hub. So anybody who is a hub member and wanted to watch that presentation, you can do so there. Now, on the fourth day of being in Georgia, we actually got to go out to my friend's walnut farm. He started a walnut farm with some business partners about six years ago, I guess, and he had a bunch of investors who invested with him. So it was a fantastic opportunity to really show the investors the progress that they've made and how things are going, and the trees are developing, and it was just so fascinating to learn about the agriculture play there. So really what it is, is a bunch of really smart international people who decided to get into an agriculture play. This is like a bunch of MBAs and university students and and people who have done you know, built real businesses from scratch, you know, with digital marketing and things. And now they're getting into an agriculture thing and then how they looked at it. So they were not doing a lot of tours, but I, when I got there, I was like, I really want to do a tour. I really want to see. So I was asking a, a thousand questions and they took us on a four wheel drive around and, and I took lots of notes and got to meet everybody involved in the staff and watch how they're bringing in the new technology. And it was just awesome. Really, really cool to see. Now, the party they were doing was insane. They had live music. They had Georgian singers there, like traditional Georgian singers. They had tons of food, open bar. Actually, it was funny. The one time I went to go get something to drink and the bartender wasn't there and there was this bottle, glass bottle, unlabeled of clear liquid. And I just thought it was water. So I just poured myself a full glass, not water, pure vodka. Wow. Yeah. So, but the, the party itself was just really, really excellent. But it was so funny because at about 9.30, and I wrote about this in the email newsletter at expatmoney.com. So it's about 9.30 at night and we're all watching the music and the band play and the singer. And I start to hear this boom sound in the background. Now on the tour, I had learned about this new technology they had to stop hail from coming down. Because you can imagine the hail is going to be very, very damaging for the walnut trees and for their crop. 
So it's basically this hot gas that gets shot up into the air. You shoot it into the clouds about 20 minutes before it's supposed to rain, and it'll stop the hail from coming. This is the story. So I'd never seen anything like this before. I didn't know or understand anything about it, so I had asked a lot of questions. But I can hear this boom sound, and my understanding was it was supposed to happen like a couple of times. But it's booming, and then again, and then again some more. And then it's basically like every 60 seconds, it's going and going and going. But there's no rain, there's no nothing, and everybody's having fun, and everyone's drinking, and they're just, no one really is paying attention. And I'm sitting with my friend Titus and with his wife, and I'm like, this is not good. I mean, there's two buses, there's a hundred people here. We're in the middle of nowhere in a field or in a, you know, in the middle of a plantation. And it's a half an hour drive back. There's not enough transport because they did, you know, multiple journeys to get everyone out there. I'm like, this is not a good idea. We should get out of here. So they agreed with me, the pair of them, me and my wife, we found someone with a vehicle and we gave them like 10 bucks or whatever. And they drove us back. And about halfway through the drive back, it starts to rain. It rains a little bit and then it rains a lot. And then it like really unbelievable torrential downpour. Now they had some tents while they were there, but certainly not enough for a hundred people. And the tents are really just over the top. So any wind or anything is going to blow the rain in from the side. But more than that, they don't have any proper drainage there. So it's just like the water just kind of runs into this spot and it's just like mud and muck everywhere. So we get back and it's like 10 p.m. or something like that. And we have a good night's rest and no problem. The next morning I wake up and we go for breakfast. And there's first of all, there's not very many people around for breakfast, or at least from our group. And people start to come in and, you know, how's it going? Did you enjoy the party? Blah, blah, blah. blah. So everybody's like massively hung over and we start to hear the stories. Basically, the rain came down. There was the transport, but the buses refused to go because the mud was so thick. They were worried about getting stuck in the mud. So they didn't leave until like two, three o'clock in the morning and everyone was drenched to the bone and covered in mud and freezing and out there by themselves. And then I don't know about the electricity, if they could keep running the power and the lights because it was so rainy. I have no idea, but what a mess. What an absolute mess. So I wrote an email about all of this and I called it decisions, good decisions. And I talked about how I help my daughter make decisions. And in this instance, I would say my friends and I made a very good decision to get out of there. The other good, good decision that we made was the next morning, we went to leave to take the transport back to Tbilisi. And there was no bus there whatsoever. These are this, you know, huge, you know, should hold 50 people or something like that, organized buses. And it's not there. So we walk up with our suitcases and everyone's standing outside and it's super hot and the sun's beating down. It's at midday and no buses. And I'm like, I take one look around and I'm like, no, let's go. Let's take a taxi. So we cart our bags back, start talking to the, the concierge or the reception or whatever and organized uh, an Uber or a Grab or whatever it's called over there. And $45, hour, hour and a half, drive back and we left. 
Once again, I talked to my friends afterwards. They were like two, two and a half, three hours waiting for the bus to arrive. There was some miscommunication about it. So they were basically just sitting around in the lobby with nothing to do. And then because the bus goes super slow and there was all this traffic at that time, that instead of like an hour to an hour and a half, it took two, two and a half hours. So what took us 90 minutes ended up taking them like five hours or six hours. So we were out for dinner. I was with my kids. We were playing. We were sightseeing. We were doing all these things. So it's that decisions, good decisions once again, just being able to look at a situation very quickly and make a, a choice. So after several days of traveling around Georgia and getting to see a bit of the countryside and the, the farm and the city and all of these types of things, it was time to move on to Armenia. So it was very interesting. There was an overnight train, and I think it's supposed to be 10, 11, 12 hours, something like that. And we learned about it and read about it in blog articles and did our research. And we thought, this is going to be fantastic. It leaves at 10 p.m. and it gets in at basically like 9, 10 a.m. the next morning. We can have a full night's rest. When we wake up in the morning, we'll be able to see a bit of the countryside. It should be a really fun way to travel. Now, with all of our bags and stuff, it should be good too because there's not as much of a baggage restriction or anything like that. We can just chuck them underneath the bunks and there's sleeper cabins. So we got our own cabin and everything. But the thing was, so we left at 10 p.m. and then it was about two hours to the border. And then we have to leave Georgia officially. So that took about 90 minutes where we all had to get out. We had to have all of the passports with us. They needed to see the kids and everything. So the kids were fast asleep. I've got my seven-year-old daughter. She's asleep in my arms and we're waiting in line. She's weighs like a sack of potatoes. She's so heavy. She's passed out. My wife or my mother had my son, but they just wanted to lay down and sleep. So we had to present our passports and then they had to do car by car by car, all these people. So it took like an hour and a half to do that. Then we travel for another 60 minutes. So you can't really relax or finally go to bed or anything. And then on the Armenia side, they actually come on, which was considerably better. So first they come through customs and we heard all these horror stories about them wanting to go through any of the bags. They did not do that with us. They just wanted us to identify the bags, which was super fast and easy. And then they stamp all the passports. We have another, they had another person that came through, did all of that. So after about 60 minutes, then we continued. And then we do about four to five hours of continual travel uninterrupted to Armenia, to Eurovan. But this idea of, oh, I'll get a full night's rest was certainly shattered by, because the first however many hours you're presenting passports, doing all the immigration stuff. So you really only get about four hours sleep. And I'm someone who really likes my sleep. So I would not recommend doing the train trip. I thought it'd be a fun experience. It was maybe not a great one, but I suggest to people to fly instead. So I guess overall in Georgia, just some, some final thoughts for you guys. I think that Georgia does have some good things going for it. Don't get me wrong here, all right? And this is just purely my opinion. I'd like that it is a territorial tax system. Absolutely, that's fantastic. Now, they're not getting along with Russia. They have been in war with Russia back in 2008, you know, joining the EU and NATO, and then we see all this stuff with Ukraine, and now they want to snuggle up again with NATO. I mean, watching the geopolitics just makes me bang my head against the wall. Like, what are you guys thinking? This is your next door neighbor. So I don't like that they're not getting along so well with Russia. I want to see peace in the region. I'm very much anti-war. So that makes me a little bit concerned about the area. They have some residency options, but I've seen better residencies for sure. So you can get bank accounts there. There are options, but it's a lot stricter than it used to be. I'll tell my banking story another time. I'm still in the 
working through things right now, so I will reserve judgment until that is over. But it's definitely a lot stricter than it used to be. Prices have gone up, but there still can be deals found in Georgia for sure. I expect prices to continue to rise in the country. I don't think that that's going to change. Going back to the cleanliness, you know, there's graffiti and garbage everywhere in Tbilisi, but the countryside was a lot better, a lot cleaner, a lot more beautiful. I think that there was a lot of opportunities out there. As I said, my friend doing an agricultural product out there, that was pretty cool, but I think you would need to have very strong ties to the country and understand it. My friend's business partner had that and they they even partnered with a local local, so there was always someone on the ground who really knew it. I probably would not enter into this market just as an expat or a foreigner going in without you know a decade's experience there or anything like that. And I guess overall, I'm happy for my experience. I, I'm very glad that I had a chance to go, but I think that really I missed the boat on Georgia. I think that you know this was a country that to get the best deals, to do everything, to get the best banking and, and the most opportunity, you needed to be there 20 years ago. I think now, I think that there's a lot more attractive places in the world. I think that they're not competitive anymore compared to where they used to be. The prices going up and the standards going down and the crowdedness, I'm just not sold on it. You know, I was really looking forward to this one. I've been traveling nonstop for 20 years. This is my first time in Georgia after so many amazing stories, listening to people for 20 years talk about this country and finally getting there. It's just not what it was, and I'm just not as impressed with it. Now, some of the other countries that I'll talk about on this trip, I was massively impressed about, but we'll get into those in another episode. So thank you very much for listening to this one. Thank you very much, everyone who joined us in the summit last week. Just a quick recommendation for everybody. Make sure that you guys are on the email newsletter, EMS Pulse. If you go to expatmoney.com, you can sign up for free. That's where we're going to be doing a ton of announcements. We have giveaways. We have lots of stuff for the community, new programs, trips, Tons and tons and tons and tons of things. If you guys want my insights in real time about what's happening and as we're doing these trips and as we're opening bank accounts and getting new passports and residencies and you know buying lots of real estate. I think I bought four houses this year already. Talking about all of those experiences and investing in different countries, then you have to be on the newsletter. That is the number one spot. So go to expatmoney.com. You can sign up for free. We'll give you guys a special report on citizenship there. You'll see it right at the top of the page. That's it. Have a fantastic week and I'll see you next Wednesday, 6 a.m. Have a good week. Thanks. For those interested in moving to another country, I highly recommend learning the local language before you arrive. After traveling for the last 23 years straight, I have seen many people fall into the expat bubble trap. This is where you move to a new country and you only talk to people from the USA or Canada and you are unable to make local friends. The best way to combat this is by having an understanding of the local language. And the best program I have ever seen for this is storylearningcourses.com. These are the programs I use to go from very crummy language skills to fluent in no time flat. The courses are fun and easy to understand and most importantly, really work. No matter where you are in your language learning abilities, go to storylearningcourses.com. That's storylearningcourses.com to learn more. 
This episode may be over, but your journey to greatness continues by visiting our webpage and signing up for our newsletter. For convenient access to new episodes, show notes, and other crucial resources, visit expatmoneyshow.com. We look forward to you joining us on the next episode of the Expat Money Show. Safe travels. I have managed to secure exclusive rights to a block of villas in one of the hottest up-and-coming regions in my current home country, Panama. Join me Saturday, May 4th at 10 a.m. Central, 11 a.m. Eastern Time for our special presentation called Investors Workshop, capitalizing on the globally recognized resort brand coming to Panama. We will discuss how the tourism landscape in this region will change rapidly upon the public announcement of this project and how I have secured the rights for my clients to capitalize on this opportunity before anyone else. Thanks to my connections in the region, I have negotiated pricing that front runs everyone else. Think early, early bird pricing. From gourmet restaurants to vibrant clubs, poolside activities, and even live bands, this resort is going to pump some serious life into the region. But this isn't what excites me or what should excite you either. The exciting part is that these world-class amenities and top brand will attract tens of thousands of tourists. Tourists who will fork over top dollar to stay at our investment properties. Register free at expatmoney.com forward slash webinars. That's expatmoney.com forward slash webinars to register for this free real estate workshop. See you on May 4th at 10 a.m. Central Time. That's 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Go to expatmoney.com forward slash webinar.